0: Hello and welcome to the point of everything. Today on the show are Faye O'Rourke and Adam O'Regan, who, along with Donna Siva O'Leary and Dylan Lynch, are soda blonde. They've just released their second album, Dream Big, a bombastic statement of a record. They say it's a mantra, a mission statement from four lifelong friends. It's their promise to themselves and a message to all those who come along for the ride. A reminder that life is precious, fragile, and fleeting, so we might as well dream big and hold nothing back. Lauren Murphy, reviewing the album for the Irish Times, said, Most bands would struggle to pull so many disparate elements and styles together, but it helps that O'Rourke's voice, pliable and multifaceted, provides ballast for each song before it runs away with itself. It's a very good album by a very fine band whose dreams you imagine will only continue to get bigger and bolder. One interesting thing that the band have done around the release of Dream Big is to start a members club for €5 or €10 a month which gets you access to small secret shows they have planned as well as discounts on merch and exclusive content. You'll hear Adam talk about it more during chat and you can go to sodablond.com forward slash members dash club for more or you know google it. Soda Blonde have some tour dates coming up as well. They're at the Lexington in London on November 22nd, the Roisin Dove in Galway on the 24th of November, Dolan's Warehouse in Limerick on the 25th, Connolly's of Lep on the 26th, Cypress Avenue in Cork on November 30th, Black Box in Galway on December 7th Spirit Store in Dundalk on December 8th, and Vicker Street in Dublin, a big homecoming show on December 14th. I talked to Faye all the way back in November 2019, and you can hear that interview by searching for TPOE 149 in the archive. If you want more of a look back at how and why Soda Blonde started, but coming up in a slightly noisy restaurant before opening time, Hopefully, it'll be more ambiance than distracting for you. Adam and Faye talk about the growth of the band in the past four years. They talk about playing Vicar Street already, how that's one of the highlights of their career, and I'm sure that their show on December 14th will prove to be another big highlight. We talk about Spotify, Son Blonde's recording process, and we talk through some of the tracks on Dream Big. Both Adam and Faye recently got married, not to each other. And before I pressed record, they told me they had done the music at each other's weddings, which was intriguing enough to me to start out by talking about that. So just some context for the beginning of the chat. Here's Soda Blonde on the point of everything. So, we were just talking before I pressed record about uh your separate weddings, and you uh <laughs> made some uh you were you were the wedding band at each other's wedding. I was saying that that's where the money is but, yeah uh, you're not thinking about that right now, like three days out from the release of the second Soda Blonde album
1: hopefully no right now we're hoping that the album's gonna gonna kind <laughs> keep us from having to do that but um but we had a lot of fun you know i, I one of the things I kind of loved about it was that uh I, I'm not really a musician that that plays i mean all i've ever really done is, is play the music that we write you know and learning other people's songs is kind of a really good it's a really good kind of lesson or you learn a lot about songcraft and 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 structure and all these interesting things you know so i enjoyed that part of it what were your favorite wedding songs to play was was there
0: abba medleys
2: no actually we didn't do oh, that no we abba. did prince mm-hmm uh, Fleetwood Mac. What else yeah, did we do? We Blondie.
1: Did, we did Blondie. We did a bit of Queen. We did a bit of Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, have to do September. <laughs> all the classics. And all the classics. And then we ended with probably the best version ever of. Um, time of your time, life. Time. Of, time of my life. Yeah. Time of your uh, life. Time of my
2: life. Time of my life. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Uh, the the time, time of my. Life. Oh yeah, yeah. Dirty yeah. dancing. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Okay,
0: great. Great. Um, I I talked to you, Faye, about four years ago, just before the release of uh, the debut or just after the release of the debut Soda Blonde EP. I was going to ask what the highlight of the past four years has been. I presume it's got, you're going to say your weddings, personally. Oh but gosh, m- no, musically?
2: you know what, it's funny, the wedding thing, people seem to think you love talking about your wedding, but I'm just like, let it be gone. <laughs> it was so stressful. Was it,
0: yeah?
2: I know, it was good, it was fun. But uh, highlights of the last four years.
0: I mean, since we last talked, I mean... That's a whole like your whole career really to date.
2: I think Vicar Street. I'd say you know being able to fill that venue again, having filled it as you know the previous iteration, um, that was a huge moment, and I feel like we defied expectation in some way.
1: We did. We overcame the odds. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'd say making this new album has been has been uh, it's been the most fun. Um, we've ever had making an album, and I think that's a testament to how much we've kind of overcome to get together because we kind of trust each other so much now, and so the the creative experience is just so fluid. Yeah. You know, it, I
2: actually, that's probably going to be one of the highlights of my life. I'd say making this, yeah. this making this album. I yeah. think so. Yeah. I
0: always say it's so stressful.
2: No, I find the releasing stuff more stressful. The making stuff is just where the 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 joy is. You yeah. know, and and it's so liberating and and everything. And like Adam said. We definitely come to a point where we were just so open with each other in terms of sharing ideas and you know it's a it's a very safe space and i think maybe that's not true for for a lot of bands making music it can be a really stressful experience whereas we (laughs) we kind of filmed a little bit in the studio and uh Uh, We had one argument and in my mind it was this kind of like huge explosive moment and it was going to make great, you know, documentary footage uh, for whatever, (laughs) um, you know, down the line. And it's just so we're so amicable with each other. Like it's (laughs) such a shit argument to yeah. listen back to because it's just, you know... Nobody
1: wants to hear that probably. They probably want to think that we're <laughs> throwing chairs at each other and... and we do,
2: which do not we're making albums. Just not we're making albums. Me and Adam yeah. like to <laughs> war true. over WhatsApp.
1: But when... Yeah, it's all harmonious <laughs> when the album process yeah. is happening. Yeah. It's,
0: what was the argument about? Can you remember?
1: Is oh, it it it's
2: always... every all, We always argue. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: no, no we in don't the don't studio we're talking about is... Um, uh, well, there was... I think there was two stressful moments. One was... is a song on the album called Boys and Faye had written it and as we often do we kind of completely changed it and sped it up and so when it came time to record her voice it was just it was in an inhuman tempo for her to kind of get these syllables out and so that was a bit stressful and she was like you know and we were like just keep going and that was a bit that was a bit stressful yeah um and then the other one was um we had written a song uh well we had we had composed a song called Bad Machine well it wasn't called Bad Machine at the time it was just a piece of music when we were in the writing process Faye had brought us this melody and this chord progression and it's very rare that Faye ever kind of like shares a song with us unless she's finished the lyrics and she has a structure
2: I like to feel like there's a conclusion reached before I'm sort of happy with sharing it
1: yeah and so she reluctantly shared this little melodic idea with us and, and very quickly it took fire and we created this big mammoth electro rock kind of song and uh, that's kind of it's it's not a very nice place to be as a as a songwriter or as a lyricist to have a fully mm. produced fully realised piece of music it's quite intimidating you know because then you have to find the emotion in the music and it's just a little bit of more of an elusive thing wow so the story's going on a little bit but uh, but it, in the studio then we, did, we were just banging our heads off the wall trying to get the lyrics together and Faye kept coming up with all these lyrics and I was like <laughs> You know, we we were just, we put her through the ringer, like trying to get the lyrics out, which was, was never something we do because she's such an incredible lyricist. So it it just goes to show that <laughs> I don't know what it goes to show. Don't, <laughs> it's, it's don't kinda, bring one, <laughs>
2: You know, no, but it is kind of like, you know, songs do take on their own journey, I suppose. And yeah. This was just a particularly arduous one. But I would wake up, you know, in the middle of the night in cold sweats being like this fucking song is just haunting me for weeks you know we actually took a break didn't we we took a break from yeah. we finished it we wrapped everything up and that was the one kind of detail we needed to finish and yeah it was really um unpleasant uh so i don't know if i do it again
1: but we got it there i mean we the did, results yeah. but i mean it doesn't really matter i suppose about the process well i mean
2: no I, I mean we collaborated that was the thing and we've done yeah. that before like some of our kind of better songs i feel have been you know the two of us collaborating yeah so, yeah like in the heat of the night that was that was the yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah, it was fun, you know. It's 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 a very it's a very um, vulnerable thing to kind of to write lyrics with another person because you have to kind of justify their meaning, you know. If you're if you're writing in an insular way in your own bedroom, you know, it's it's your own poetic license to express yourself in any mm. sort of way, but when you're trying to write with another person. Well yeah,
2: you're really good at that because I kinda just go with whatever subconscious thing is there and you you're able to kinda go through everything and
1: Yeah, but make I'm sense envious. I'm envious of <laughs> you in that way, I am because like because I feel like it's it's that sub I'm too conscious, like I'm I'm too trying to like, well, oh, why does this make sense or why does this whatever? And you know, it's not always conducive to the most like <laughs>
2: sometimes as well. You'll be like, Did you say this? and it won't be that and I'll be like, Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's that's actually a better lyric. Yeah, yeah. that's fine.
0: He said the, the Vicar Street show was one of the highlights. Was that almost the full stop to the first album, the first, like, iteration of Soda
1: Blonde? And then it was like, right, album number two now. Yeah, correct. It was, yeah. Um, we we played a few new songs at that last Vicar Street. Um, and and then, I, had we recorded the album by that? No, no we hadn't. No, we hadn't. No, we no. were just going in. It's
2: kind so. of weird. The timeline's a little bit um, askew because yeah. of, you know, we didn't get to tour on the, the first record when it was released. So yeah, it was kind of like a delayed, a delayed tour, I guess, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That sorry, actually, I'm messing up my timeline completely. It was the full whole following year
1: that we made the album. That
2: that we did Vicar Street after the release.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, wow, that's right. That's I'm mad. thinking
0: v- Vicar Street was November 2022. Yes, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. December, I think, was it? yeah, yeah. December, 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 December yeah. yeah. And so, when was the album record? Uh, the new album recorded? That's July, summer.
1: Yeah, G- uh, June or July. Um, that summer. Long oh, summer, okay. yeah. And so it was a
0: relatively easy recording process by the sounds of it. You were just like, I mean, you guys have been making music together now for well over 10 years, maybe even closer to 15 years or Probably something. Actually. So, <laughs> So it's like that 16. thing that you say, it's almost innate yeah. in a yeah, way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of reasons why it was easy uh, and enjoyable, but I mean, one of them I have to say was, um, was going into a studio together, you know, because the last album, you know, we did it in a very sort of... Um, we did it on a shoestring budget in our various houses and, and in our various kitchens and stuff. And, you know, got to a point, it was at a point where we had to record every individual drum separately so we could get the sound we needed and then stitch it together in the mix. Which, I mean, we're really happy with the result, but it takes a little bit of the kind of musicality and the human feel out of it. And so this time we decided to go into a studio and set up and play together. And I kind of feel like that playability, you can hear it, you know, you can hear that we're having fun and there's so many kind of moments of magic that only really could have happened in that sort of scenario, you know? Mm. So that was lovely.
2: Yeah, it's great to, to play in a like a live room yeah. with a live sound. And one of the songs is actually I think we had contemplated leaving it as a demo. It's the last song on the on the album. It's called Going Out. And it was like, it was just a jam. I think I had a rough, because when I, go, I was looking back through demos, I did have sort of a rough chord progression and a section for it, which was totally abandoned. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny. It was a jam that was totally improvised, and like all the lyrics came in one, just one go, which is just, which kind of made me feel better about the, the issue with Bad Machine, because yeah, it yeah. restored my faith, actually, because, you know, it was just a subconscious kind of stream of thought that was kind really of
1: perfect. Channeling the... The uh, heavens, or something,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, uh, do you enjoy like still writing the lyrics and stuff? Did you feel particularly like inspired by it? Did you have loads of lyrics ready to go as no, well in no. the past couple of years?
2: No, that's I don't work like that. I, oh, I don't okay. collect like reams of words ever. I respond to music always. Like, my poetry, I'd say, is abysmal. <laughs> I, I haven't really ever tried, but uh. I am yeah I've just always kind of been taken to those places by kind of progressions chord progressions and melodies and things like that um so yeah
0: and so musically Adam are you kind of the main
1: driver behind what the sound is I know I know I couldn't I couldn't say that necessarily um but but you know it's a as I said before like it's a very collaborative process we trust each other all so much so much and because we've been through so much together I mean everyone's got their everyone's got their individual taste profile, which is kind of very different as well so so it makes for a really yeah a really kind of collaborative and kind of open space and you know um no one really wears or rather everyone wears kind of different hats at different moments in this band. You know, you know, th- th- we, on the album sleeve, we say guitarist and drummer and bass player, but really, you know, we all share those roles, you know, at any given moment. And, and an- anyone can kind of throw out like, why don't you play this, or play this, play this. And mm. yeah. So there's no one way of doing anything. Um,
0: Was there a general idea for the album? Like maybe musically, I guess, like, did you, do you kind of like look at what worked, what didn't work the first time around? You said that you wanted to record kind of more of a live
1: sound? Oh, I
2: think that that came with just being in that great studio. I think we had discussed definitely wanting to do something that f- was a bit more broad-shouldered as, and uh, just kind of guitar-heavy, you know, because it was just a sound that, you know, maybe we hadn't leaned so much into on the first record. So naturally, you're going to want to go in, in a different direction. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, there, there was some sort of maybe like foundational weird trippy kind of sounds that I had been messing around with you know at home and also sort of written kind of towards the end of, of lockdown so I was very sick of sort of emotionally mining and writing these ballads that were like piano ballads or guitar ballads I was sort of like wanted to kind of be more experimental and respond to that and then as Adam said like you know these things get pulled completely apart and you know stitched together again but I think like there was sort of a freedom in in that for me i was much more or less inhibited than i ever have been in terms of writing um and i was sending adam kind of like you know things that were like a minute and a half and you know weren't fully fleshed out so i guess it allowed for for something kind of more expansive to kind of come from it you know have
0: you always enjoyed like the making of albums i think this is your fourth, fourth like album, yeah. album that you've that you've actually made have you always kind of enjoyed the
1: the process of creating an album
2: I think it's becoming my favorite part of it. Yeah. For
1: sure. But yeah. but, I, but I don't think I could say, I mean, yes, but like it's got better and better. So definitely, um, you know, when I look back on the process of making the first album compared to th- making this album, it's like, whoa, that really is not how an album <laughs> should be made. You know, it's <laughs> like there's just such an openness. Now I will say that's, that comes down to, what we've learned and you know we've we've become producers you know we weren't producers at the time when we've made our first album and maybe we got a bit better at the second album and now we've learned so much now that, that are you talking about
2: little green cars yeah oh sorry, if you you sorry yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah it is our technically our fourth our fourth time making an album together yeah sure yeah sorry but, i hear but, what you're
2: saying but um yeah how do you mean it shouldn't have been made that way I'm just, just curious. Great no, question. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> just when I look back on it, um, I mean, we worked with a, an amazing producer called Marcus Draves at the time, right? And I, I kind of remember feeling like I locked horns with him a little bit because he was very much the producer and in the hierarchy of, of the studio, you know, he kind of called the shots a little bit. So I remember like a, there was difficulty with. Now, that's a way to make albums. And obviously, I'm sure if you go into the studio with Brian Eno you know, or, you know, there's, there's people, and he's a student of Brian Eno, you know, there are people who, who take over in that way and, and they direct the band. But, I mean, I've always kind of felt I, wa- I knew how things should be. And I remember, like, there was a time where Faye was recording vocals for, for my love to bring into the river and, like, we weren't allowed to be in the studio, you know. It's like nobody else in here. I didn't really like that, you know? I don't want to like yeah. be shut out of my own fucking also band, Also, it was.
2: You know? I, I remember being really frustrated with that because I just couldn't. The pressure, it was like this sort of surmounting kind of pressure. And I remember, like, just doing 70, 80 takes and, like, hearing them back and being like, this is just not. Yeah. And also, we were working off the demos that you had produced right. as a... Seventeen-year-olds, like it wasn't like he came in and rearranged any of the music. We really were like kind of, kind of beat for beat going from those demos. So I suppose, yeah. kind of frustrating to be locked out of that when you're like, sure. It's well, I mean, integral part of the
1: yeah, whole yeah. thing We can't, we, like, we can't knock him too much. He did, like, he was responsible for, I would say, the entire production of of uh, the John Wayne. Like, he definitely took yeah, that yeah, and, and, and Kitchen Floor, he, he did a good job on as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it's an <laughs> but interesting... <he> ruined. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I won't say it.
0: Where did you record this uh, album, by the way? The new Soda Blonde album?
2: Uh, Black Mountain Studios in Dundalk. Yeah, with an absolutely wonderful man named Peter Baldwin. He's just... He's our engineer, yeah. He's the light of amazing. our lives. He's yeah. very, very... Yeah, just a great guy. Great. Um, I, I think I'd always like to sort of have him around. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if I God.
0: Yeah. Uh, Independence always seems like it's been an important thing. I think that we talked about that, Faye, before as a band. It sounds like maybe those things which Adam was just talking about might feed into this idea of wanting more control mm. over the band. Did you have like offers for this album? Were you like, tempted by any record industry stuff? Or were you like, no, no, we still want the control
2: I think if the right offer came along it would be something to consider but i guess it would have to be something pretty phenomenal for us to relinquish the rights to our music you know um it's just the landscape is so different now and we've obviously you know we're trying to sort of be innovators i think um in how people are buying music we've just started a members club um adam painstakingly went through <laughs> back and forth with us trying to get it going. And it, it's great. And it's, it's you know, like you would talk about podcasts. Like there's, you know, there's a paywall for yeah. anything that you want to listen to. And why should, you know, we've put eight, eight, thousands of euro into, you know, music videos. And it's very hard to sort of get a return. And while I'm saying this, I don't want to be overly negative and point the finger and, and kind of, um, yeah, I don't want to be too to down on, on everything but I just do think it's time that there's a renaissance and that people mm. you know connect with the music like they used to and feel like they have an ownership of the music and that they're a part of something and that they're a part of a movement and that, that they're a part of a scene and um, and our fans are definitely uh, yeah. interested in that avenue you know but you know if, if somebody wants to offer me 1.5 mil then I'm not going to say that. right right, right right
1: yeah yeah <laughs> It's funny, I was thinking this morning um, a lot about the the, ti- the title of the album, you know, Dream Big, and um, we've given a few definitions as to why we titled it that, and, um, like, I'm not sure that we've totally hit the nail on the head yet, purely because, you know, we don't, don't always... We're not always great at talking about our art, because, you know, we like to leave the window open to interpretation, and, you know, the m- process of making art is you're dealing with abstraction, you know, it's colour and it's light and it's... Even when we use words, it's in an abstract way, you know, so not always the most eloquent at kind of breaking it down, but I was thinking about it this morning and, um, you know, I think, I think for me, you know, when we started playing music when we were like 15, I've always dreamt of being in a band. I've always dreamt of like playing on stages around the world, winning a Grammy, making multiple albums, playing on Jimmy Fan, all those things, you know, and, uh, you know, in the 10 years since we've been making music together, like, the music industry has completely changed, like, completely changed. And we've accomplished some great things, but with the advent of, like, Spotify and digital distribution and all that sort of stuff, what it's meant is that the barrier to entry has completely come down. And what that means is two things. It means, one, if you love music, like we do, there's f- just so much variety now and so much culture and so much perspective and, and so much choice, which is great. But on the other hand, it also means that the landscape is, like, so vast. And there are are 100,000 songs being uploaded to Spotify every single day. That's 100,000 artists with the same dream that we have, you know, the same ambition. They're going to bed and they're waking up and they're agonizing over how am I going to make this work and how am I going to, like, achieve that dream. I just think, like, the dream needs to be kind of... Needs to be uh, reimagined. Like we need to kind of revise. Like, what is the dream? Like, what is the dream for like a young person trying to make music these days? I kind of think what it comes down to is um, taking and cultivating the community that you're in. You know, which is what we're trying to do with this. And excuse me, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, so bear with me. It's good tangent. I think the other problem is the world now is so obsessed with with numbers. You're obsessed with, you know, how many likes you have, how many monthly listeners you have, how many followers you have. And what that's really poisonous for is that it creates this comparative thing in your mind. So you might have like 30,000 monthly listeners, but then you look at Johnny and the Rockets and they <laughs> have like 40,000 monthly listeners. And you're going like, why don't, I, what are we not doing? Like, why, why am I not, why not good enough for, a, what are we not putting out to make us that, you know? And it's nothing to do with that really, you know, it's just, it, it's impossible to kind of connect with that sort of number thing, you know? But, like, 30,000 people listening to your music every single day. If you put 30,000 people in a field, that's a fucking lot of people. But you can't really feel that, you know, when you're... You you can't connect with that idea in your mind when you're looking at Spotify numbers. Mm. But on on the other hand, if you played in a small room full of 100 people, you would feel on top of the world. And we do feel on top of the world in in any scenario like that, you know. You feel enriched, you feel like a megastar. But yet 40,000 monthly listeners or 30,000 monthly listeners feels, doesn't feel right, you know? And so it's about trying to make that human connection and reconnect with your fans in a tangible way. And so that's what we're trying to do with this members club. And we feel that like, it's a way that every band should kind of move forward. You know, I think it would change the, the industry. If everyone had a two euro a month, one euro a month subscription, takes the power back, takes the value back, and um that's my tangent over (laughs) Is, is that kind of what you were
0: thinking as well just like we're putting all all this stuff out we put like hours and thousands of euro into it and yet we're not kind of seeing a return this is like a small bit of a return in a way but also you are doing it for the you know it's called the members club it's for the fans as well is it
2: Yeah. I mean, like I'd be lying if I said like you would like to broaden our kind of horizons in terms of what we can actually afford to keep making because it comes down to wanting to make more stuff. And if we make a music video and like we can't really make anything that's not, (laughs) you know, a certain quality. Um, so we're dropping, you know, a good bit of cash every time we try and create stuff. So yeah, I mean, like it is actually just a way of making sure that we can continue, you know, as well. Um, It doesn't have to be as uh, sterile as needing more revenue streams and all that kind of stuff. But also, like, we were boxing up all our vinyl yesterday and, like, you know, putting all the stickers on it and writing, like, 100 million per postcards to people. And that, like just like I had a really crap day yesterday and that just kind of makes me reconnect with what we're actually doing, you know, just like touching something, having something physical and seeing somebody's name and where the address is like, this is going to Singapore, this is going to Japan. Like that makes you feel, you know, that you can carry on because it's not an easy thing to keep doing, you know, especially with no label and no management and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think people look at us and have a lot of respect for what we do. And I do feel that, you know, from, from the industry and the community and, I think we're very confident that you know we're, we're going to continue doing this to to the highest standards and make some absolutely incredible music so yeah. yeah.
1: cuz like the revenue thing the, the the income thing is is definitely a part of it but it's only a part of it to me it's it's actually more of a it's more of a value thing it's like mm. value on art and value on human connection you know it's like as Faye said when we were boxing up all the vinyls last night seeing all the names it's like that is the complete opposite of what Spotify feels like we can often just feel like you're screaming into the void yeah and 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 at the end of the day how Spotify works is you put out some music if you're lucky they'll select you for an editorial playlist and then you have to go thank you so much Spotify everyone go check out this playlist and they just see direct everyone to Spotify and Spotify just direct everyone elsewhere because, you know, nobody nobody finds a band really through Spotify. They, it's about songs and you skip onto yeah. this next song. And I, I
2: will say it does make me sick seeing that people just, you know, on their knees thanking Spotify <laughs> for maybe an automated playlist, you know, they're yeah. thrown into it. I don't even know if there's real people editing these playlists or if it's just a, an AI thing now, you know. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just a bit bit grim
0: yeah so much of it is kind of passive listening as well you know like, oh yeah well, that's actually right. paying I mean I'm attention not I'm criminal
2: tracks. of that myself just sticking on yeah, whatever yeah. kind of playlist and like pottering around so yeah uh,
0: anyway we haven't really talked about the album let's see how much <laughs> we can let's see how much we can this kind of get through uh kind of in about 10 or 15 minutes or however much we have left up,
1: everything is changed. you know, never mind, I have a
2: midnight show. red sky at night, I drift through the moors, I see a young man, I like how he moves, I don't speak his language, but
1: that is fine, I'm not understood nearly all of the time.
0: Is it almost like a meta commentary? I was thinking of the the first line on the album that you sing, Faye. Everything is changing, but I don't grow. Never mind, I have a midnight show. And so from that to the album title, to the title track where you sing... Uh, I know what I am, I know what I could be Put me in my place, but nothing can hold me Is it all kind of a meta Commentary on the music industry? This is my very small thesis that I'm putting uh, Together you're, about you're the not, album You're the moment.
2: absolutely not wrong, Like particularly with Midnight Show That was something where I was coming from that sort Of place of examining The industry and questioning whether To submit to it or not Because that is always the thing, you kind of have that voice In your head going Should I just give up and become an Instagram influencer and do that and submit myself to the prostitution of everything. And and as I said, like <laughs> a lot of the stuff when I'm sitting down to write it, write, it is starting from a subconscious place, like particularly with Dream Big. For me, I was kind of commenting on like just a cultural situation. You know, it wasn't just about the music business. It was kind of talking about, um, to me, like to Dream Big was kind of just the, just the very simple idea of having a roof over your head, which seems like next to impossible. For anyone of my generation, you know, like I have two friends out of like, you know, 150 with houses and I'm married and I live with two other people, you know, <laughs> in the middle of town and just that just, yeah, just, I don't know. It was just kind of a, a broad commentary on, on the, what, was, what was in the atmosphere, I suppose.
0: Bad Machine, I think was is the first single off the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got it played on Six Music. I think that was the first play Deb Grant and Tom Ravenscroft played at Deb Grant, big supporter of Irish music on uh, Six Music. You already talked about this. This It sounds like this was almost the last song that you made for the album, is it? Or, or this was the one that kind of you, you thought most
1: about? Only in a sense uh, yeah I, I, I can't think I can't think of a timeline as where yeah. it came in you know the creation of it, but um, this is one you argued over uh, i guess yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: I think it was I think it was kind of early on, but it was definitely the last thing that was kind of the cherry on top was yeah. placed,
1: you know it might have been kind of something in the in in the process faye talked about um you know there's definitely. Uh, one thing that we wanted to bring to this album was a little bit more rage and a bit more bite in the way of guitar you know and uh this was the first song where i feel like we achieved something in that you know it's funny that lots of articles keep saying that the reviews that came out about it were like oh buzzy synth synth laden synth driven track but there's actually it's all guitar you know it's a a big dirty guitar going on i've been you know so um that was when is the first song that we started to kind of like you know tap into that i think
0: what about boys because I guess I guess one of the things with this album is that it sounds like you're almost having fun playing around with like what is the sound of Soda Blonde because mm. like I think of this like it's almost a dance song the way it starts it's like yeah. Disclosure or something that's, well, what that's, it, that's, that's
2: what kind it. of what when we started arranging it I was like this sounds like you know Ultra Beat or like Born Slippy or something like you know just kind of it was just making me feel nostalgic for being like a very 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 young person and hearing kind of club tracks that were like just made you want to move but they were so crushingly sad like there was something about that that's really nostalgic for me and hearing my cousins like older cousins getting ready to go out clubbing and I was too young to go with them and sort of hearing all these songs and I just remember feeling like so sad you know And I'm not sure if it was because I couldn't go with them or what was the the thing but you know they have there's just something in that music that um and I guess it just mirrors kind of what the club experience is It's yeah. like, it starts off good And it's just, <laughs> when you actually step back and look at it You're like, what's going on yeah. here? Like, this is actually pretty
1: Ritualistic thing Yeah, absolutely
2: yeah. Somebody's been yelling in my head you're the wrong one Somebody's been spelling it out for me That I am too strong for you I hope we always kind of sound like we're figuring out, you know, what we're, what, we're, what our whole sound is. Because I, I, I don't think I'd ever like to be beholden to kind of one sonic scape, yeah. soundscape.
0: Can you remember where, like, the start of this song came from? Like, was it one person just saying, like, listen to this? Or, and like, did anybody need any convincing, like, I don't know how this one? Well, goes. I had
2: that demo, you know, I had a demo that initially I wasn't sure because I just kind of unbridled, sat down and wanted to write something that had a kind of a dancey-ish feel and was kind of um, something outside of the box. And uh, I didn't, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. And then I showed it to you and, yeah. and you and Dil really. <laughs> really on
1: it. I can't think of an instance ever where FaZe brought a song into us and we've been like, no, that's not good. You know, it's that it doesn't really ever happen like that. But um, but no, she, it was actually, was this, was it ever covered?
2: it was over covid in the hotel
1: yeah so i was i was caretaking for a hotel on the corner here called kelly's hotel during covid very shining which is apt here because the carpet shining vibes yeah she played it for us and we just absolutely loved it and i I think i can't i think it was dylan maybe that put that that break beat underneath it and we took the instrumentation out of the front and yeah it was kind of you know i think a lot of these decisions aren't necessarily conscious you know you're kind of just being governed by by taste and emotion and if there's one thing I think that this this album is more of it's just uh, it's just music that we want to hear you know this is the music that we want to hear
0: and so from 90s dance to kind of like 90s pop music on Space Baby lovely uh, guitar sound of you in the Irish Times at the weekend you kind of talked about maybe giving away a lot in the lyrics and maybe like the effect of that on family and stuff but is that kind of like the only way that you know lyrically that you have to put yourself in the song I feel like Space Baby is one of the tracks where you're kind of putting yourself out there
2: yeah I mean I don't know if it's the only way that I know I kind of like Adam said it's not something that's too conscious I kind of just sit down and and do what I do Uh, that was kind of one of the songs that was very openly about parts of my relationship um my husband's always very frustrated because he's like why don't you write anything nice <laughs> about uh <laughs> about our relationship you know and i'm like no one wants to hear that <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i mean uh, sometimes if i'm hitting a wall i might draw inspiration from kind of other styles of lyrics or a certain like certain poetry and there's there's certain people that i kind of go back to but I th- it always ends up coming out sounding like something i would write i think the end of the day you know
0: we're gonna skip a couple of songs but they're no less good than than what what we are going to talk about Um, why die for Danzig I'm not enough of a history buff to know that I I was thinking at first you were talking about the band obviously not talking about the band Danzig (laughs) talking about uh, something much more um, historical and impactful is there a history buff in the band who is like talking about like World War one
2: Well, I, you know, do love history. I'm certainly not going to sit here and and give a history lecture. That's not what, you know, the song is supposed to do either. It was just kind of capturing this feeling that I felt um, was kind of mirrored um, and kind of in the zeitgeist for me now, which was sort of like people not really understanding what they're upset about, you know, or kind of having enough context to justify their rage. That's not to say that I don't... um, that everybody feels that way but it was just something that I felt was mirrored online you know there's sort of this very people have a tendency I think to 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 kind of jump on a bandwagon sometimes and kind of in a very primitive way get something and and feel relief from being angry and expressing rage you know Um, I don't think we've come very far really It's, it's it's a super primitive thing and I think it applies to like lots of things regarding politics at the moment, but in terms of history, you know, that was, I had heard Zelensky kind of saying why die for Danzig and, you know, that was an article that was written in the First World War by a French journalist and it was essentially saying why would we send in troops, you know, to, to Danzig, like why die for Danzig, it's, it's, it's one place where obviously we know uh, it kicked off, we had World War, you know. Yeah, it just it was just interesting when he said that. It just kind of struck a chord with me, and it was it was kind of like, where do we all lie and stand on this line? Sorry, I'm, I'm cut my brains, like, working really fast now. I don't well, know no, that that's about.
0: interesting, like, in contrast to, like, the personal writing and putting yourself out there, this is, like, almost the exact opposite of that in a way, is it?
2: Yeah, I think it was... I was also kind of just very inspired by Sinead O'Connor and, and sort of thinking about how, you know, she, she was so able to talk about her own rage and, she, and I'm so different from her, you know? I'm always coming at it from sort of a more guarded point of view and I wish that I maybe had more passion... Um, and more belief because I struggle with that. I kind of like again will go kind of to history and look back on things. And I guess I'm leaning into the way I was brought up, which was to kind of just, I don't know, to I think leave emotion out of things, political things sometimes, you know? I think that's what gets people into trouble. We're actually too emotionally charged. We need to step back and view it from a bit more of a pragmatic viewpoint. Um, So I guess like it it frustrated me kind of like, you know, and I, I was very much respected what she said at the, at the, the uh, Archie Choice Awards when she said, you know, let it's not just about Ukrainian refugees, you know, it's not just about that, and yeah, and it just, it just struck me, you know, I, I'd kind of had arguments with people about, not arguments, I just kind of questioned them on it, you know, and they were kind of unable to answer me in a way that made any sense to me, you know, like you're going to relate to something that you, you see is more familiar, and also like I have family members with multiple different views on things that I argue with all the time like in terms of you know uh, being frustrated that they can't get work or they can't get this or they can't get the other and it's it's a socio-economic thing and I don't know I'm rambling here <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm rambling
0: <laughs> uh, and the final song I think it's the longest Soda Blonde song I don't know is it the longest song that you've made but did you have fun making it all fit together it's over seven minutes long I think
1: yeah it's the one Faye, Faye mentioned earlier on I mean we, we set up in the room and we and we jammed and this is an, I don't think that's something that's ever happened in our career together but Faye on the spot came up with the entire all the lyrics and what you hear on in the recording is the band live in the room and literally just magic flowing through I mean it felt like that um, and you know we considered like oh, is this is this a bit is it long is it too long should we cut this down and I, it just always takes me on a complete Trance every time I listen to it, and and uh, and I don't know, I it just felt like the, the perfect way to to wrap up to wrap up the uh, the album. Great. Um, I always
0: associate with kind of like the live experience as well. I've seen you a couple times over the year, and it is like you take it takes on a life of its own. Um, are you doing? I don't think the tour starts until November. Are you doing kind of gigs for the members club? Is is that what's happening yeah. in between? Yeah, we've got time? a
1: secret show coming up uh, on the. 23rd of September, is that right? Yes. Yeah, can't tell you where it is, it's a secret. Um, but we'll have another one, I think, in November, and um, just before the tour starts.
2: Yeah, and I think we're hoping to sort of do a few more national ones.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, get around the country a uh-huh. bit as yeah. well. Are you looking forward to that? Is that kind of, like, releasing the album, there's a bit of, uh, you know, so, so much work to do, so much admin and stuff, but is playing live the thing that you're
1: just, like, uh, rubbing your hands together, just, like, get me back on the stage? yeah definitely definitely yeah. I think the song we have to learn how to play the songs again yeah. <laughs> we don't know how to ni- any. we've never played any of these songs live yet so have to learn how to do that but I think that they're gonna be a lot of fun to play I can feel that yeah. cool nice one I uh, look forward to seeing you live uh, at some point
0: over the uh, coming months uh, thanks a lot for chatting thanks. you're so
2: welcome also I think I said World War I instead of World War II there Danzig so just, is that? yeah no oh. yeah just everyone I, I do know history <laughs>
0: <laughs> on that note <laughs>